When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into a Friday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. As always, thanks for downloading and subscribing. Uh, we have a really fun episode today of Sooner Sound Off, where we debate. Now, I, I know this one, this one can be a little bit tricky because... And I've noticed this in the reactions so far on Twitter. We're not debating the greatest one-and-done player in OU, foot, in OU basketball history. Because if we did that, it'd be like the Trey Young show. All three of us would be debating. ESPN Plus came out with an article a few weeks ago that had the top, I think, 10 or 20 seasons in the one-and-done era, which dates back to about 2006. So we've been pretty blessed to have three incredible seasons on the hardwood and men's basketball in the one-and-done era. So we debated Buddy Heald's senior season, Blake Griffin's second season, and the true one-and-doneer in this, Trey Young. So it's a fun debate. I lose, a little bit bent, so I'm counting on you on the fan vote. Hit it up at Sooner Sports TV. But it's a debate of the greatest single seasons in the one-and-done era. So that's coming up here in just a bit. But Really, this is an, an information edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast because coming up here in just a bit, we're going to hear a one-hour conference with Joe Castiglione. Now, earlier in the week, and we've talked about this with Toby, and you heard the schedule release earlier this week on the pod, but OU is not only pursuing a football season with the Big 12, but 
they came out with the at least intentions for game attendance. And currently the athletic department projects that it will reduce capacity to approximately 25%. So coming up here in just seconds, you will hear the entire unedited, uninterrupted, one-hour press conference with Joe Castiglione with the media from earlier today. It is fantastic. It is loaded with information. It is an absolute must-listen if you are a Sooner fan. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you are... You're a Sooner fan. So what do you say we get after it? But first, before we do that, as always, the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT&T, America's best network. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. Wingstop, it's time to add some boneless wings to your Wingstop delivery order, available in any of their 11 mouth-watering flavors. So go ahead and crush those spicy, saucy, sweet, and sassy cravings. Go to wingstop.com now and get delivery to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. And before Josie joins us, a reminder that deposits for the 2020 men's and women's basketball season tickets are currently on sale. Call or text 405-325-2424. That's 405-325-2424 for more information or lock in your seats today by visiting Soonersports.com. Let's get learned up. Let's get the latest from the athletic director at the University of Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione who sat down with the media today, and the first question came from Tulsa World beat writer Eric Bailey. Hey, Joe, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I was wondering, just given the Big 12 news this week, I was wondering what your message is to parents of the football players who may be concerned about the dangers and unknowns about COVID. My um, guess is the team is excited to play, but and parents are always their biggest supporters, but there are probably some that have still have worries and concerns. What would you tell those parents? Well, Eric, as you may know, it's what we have continued to inform them of, you know, as we've gone along. You might recall before we even welcomed our uh, players back to campus that we uh, um, were very public about our medical protocols. Um, we had education sessions with both the uh, players and a separate session with um, family members, uh, parents, guardians, and we're doing that team by team. So before any of our teams come back to campus, uh, those sessions are taking place for both, you know, the student athletes as well as a separate one for uh, family members. In fact, we have another one scheduled uh, tomorrow afternoon with uh, family members of uh, um, our football players to try to update them on everything that um, we've been doing uh, since our last call, as well as uh, allow them to ask questions of what they've heard, especially in this past week. Thanks, Joe. Okay, we'll go to Jenny Carlson with the Oklahoman, followed by Jason Kersey of The Athletic. Good morning, Joe. Hi, Jenny. Hey, so when we talked to Bob Bowlesby the other day, um, you guys had just met uh, pretty, uh, you know, maybe 12 hours before, so I knew that um, things were still developing in terms of protocols and procedures moving forward, but I'm curious what your sense is of what, what kind of standard or level you would have to get to with football um, to potentially say, you know, we need to move a game or we need to shut down for a period of time. Is there 
a number of tests that that in your mind would be that that threshold and then sort of related but a separate area i'm curious with the announcement of 25% capacity for fans do you have any similar number of what the you know community number might have to be for you all to take another look at fan capacity sorry those are two vastly separate questions but i'm just curious about you know what would have to happen essentially for you all to rethink putting your team on the field or having fans in the stands well even though we say it all the time it's absolutely true and essential that player health welfare and safety is at the forefront of every one of our decisions and also, and I'll get to the second question later, but we would have the same concerns trying to create the safest environment possible for fans to attend games if they so choose to come. Uh, so but first on the uh, player uh, question, uh, you think about all the different uh, avenues we have opened up to try and get as much medical information as we can flowing to and through all of the decision makers, whether it's uh, through our conference uh, or here on our own campus. And we've had uh, outside medical experts, uh, independent medical experts, you know, some of the best, you know, in the country that are uh, in places outside of the Big 12 footprint. Uh, they might include cardiologists, cardiovascular specialists, neurologists, infectious disease, experts, uh, immunologists, uh, it, it has really run the spectrum because we're trying to triangulate the best and most up-to-date information and then apply it to the, the protocols that we've put in place uh, for our own uh, university and, and in case of the Big 12, as you referenced, conference-wide. So we've now uh, you know, begun to get closer to the season and we're learning more and, and adding additional protocols as, uh, as we believe are, are in everybody's best interests. The ones we've had in place have actually been working exceptionally well, um, doing what they were intended to do. And that's uh, screening, monitoring, and allowing us to you know, manage any of the circumstances around the virus if in fact it's present. Uh, but as you might have heard um, yesterday through Commissioner Bowlesby, that we're uh, increasing our testing from two to now three times per week. Um, we obviously continued all of our masking protocols. Uh, I don't know how many people realize this, but uh, our players have been working out with masks uh, when they came back on campus. Maybe that uh, was something people realized, but they've continued to go into the practice section of their uh, season prep, also wearing masks. Um, we've experimented with several different prototypes that fit inside a face mask, trying to work through and practice and see how those might work. And, uh, but at all times we've been using some type of a mask, uh, both for the players and all the staff that are out on the practice field. So we'll continue to do that. And then uh, we're, um, as we need to, monitoring any of the results uh, that come forward as we've disclosed week to week. Um, we've had one positive test since we started testing back uh, before July 1. 
all the people that have tested positive in our pre-workout uh, um, screening have uh, either fully recovered or are in the midst of recovering. Um, almost all of them that obviously those that have been recovered had to go through a separate clearing process to be allowed to return to practice in some form, depending on whether they had um, any reasons to uh, be more gradual. Um, but uh, all of that has been monitored, checked by all of our doctors, and uh, they don't get cleared um, unless they pass those protocols. Uh, the uh, information that we've been receiving the last couple of weeks uh, about myocarditis, uh, concerns around COVID patients that may have otherwise been asymptomatic is also something that has been clearly on our minds um, and in our um, conversations with all of our medical specialists. They were very well aware of this, maybe before it became part of the discussion around sports. So um, maybe new to some, but it wasn't new to uh, some of our doctors who have been, you know, working with that. So uh, we've had protocols that, you know, really go back to when we allow uh, student athletes to be screened to be able to practice or play regardless of the virus. You know, those kinds of things that we do on campus. In our case, it involves an EKG and an echocardiogram. So if someone were to contract the virus, they would not only have to go back through those screenings, but uh, the troponin, which is a pathological test. And then uh, doctors would see the results of those and determine whether a, uh, a heart MRI would be necessary before anybody would be returned to play. And so that's um, really just talking about all the, the different uh, ways that we're putting um, protocols, strict protocols in our discipline to follow those. But it also has to be combined with everybody's discipline and how they handle themselves when they're away from the facilities, wearing masks, social distancing, washing hands. It's been said over and over and over again to, to such a point you would think everybody would know. Uh, but uh, we, we have to be disciplined in that. And we ask the general public just as much, you know, to follow those same kind of protocols that have been asked of them for months now. And it's proven that it does uh, significantly so, slow the spread of the virus and protect everybody from spreading it, even if they don't know they may have it. Um, those are the kinds of things that are at our disposal and we're using them uh, to the best of our ability. Now, as far as the fans go, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that. At the moment, we're moder uh, modeling a roughly 25% capacity. I will tell you that, um, uh, you know, our, our uh, medical experts and facility experts have been involved in building those space models. Um, that percentage could change. Uh, we have to be flexible. Um, we have to be nimble, just like with the issues around our players, you know, something might develop that, uh, you know, would, would perhaps cause us to pivot or, uh, you know, move to, um, you know, stopping practice or maybe not even having a game or a season. You know, all that is still ahead of us and uh, all the things we're trying to do is manage it best we can so we can have it.
So Joe, the, I guess to, to follow up on that, the, um, what would cause you to pivot? You don't have hard and fast numbers. It wouldn't like you, you don't have somewhere that says if 10 players are positive in one week of testing, we, we stop or, or if community spread reaches X number in the state of Oklahoma, we stop. Like it, you don't have a hard and fast number for either of those at this point. I would defer to our medical experts to make that decision. Uh, that number you put out there would be an extraordinary number because uh, it would not only involve the people who have tested positive, but everyone else that would have to be identified through contact tracing. So just by the sheer numbers, it may not be uh, possible for us to move forward with a practice uh, or a period of time when we would have practice. Uh, that's the kind of thing we'll have to be managing as we go through the season as well. Uh, we've been talking about it now for a few months, uh, still learning as we go, but uh, we haven't identified the uh, specific numbers yet of what would allow um, a team and our conference to move forward with a game. Um, so we're, we're trying to drill down on what that would be, whether it's a percentage of the squad, you know, recognizing that it might affect a position in certain positions of the team more so than others and make it uh, you know, basically uh, impossible for us to have a game. That's why we've built in uh, open dates throughout the season. So if for whatever reason, that game of that week could not happen, uh, we would be able to look at opportunities to reschedule if it's possible. And if we reach a point where that game cannot be rescheduled, then we'd have to be evaluating let's say conference standings, knowing that some of the conference schools may have played fewer games than the other. So those kinds of, I guess you could say competitive models are, are also being uh, vetted now and would be in place before we ever start competition. As far as the fans go, that's going to be a, a decision that we make collectively with our university administration, with our state and local health officials, with our local governments, and you know, also watching what's going on nationwide. You know, there are things we're learning from each other and trying to apply it um, where it fits with what we're doing locally. Thanks, Joe. Okay, we'll go to Jason Kersey of The Athletic, who will be followed by Joe Bettner. So, Jason. Hey, Joe. Um, how concerned, you, you talked a little bit about the players and, and the importance of, of kind of handling things correctly when you're away from the facility. How concerned are you about your positive cases rising now that players have been kind of spread out and sent home for a few days? And what's gonna be the procedure for bringing them back, uh, I guess, today? Well, actually today, as you may know, uh, is the day they're returning from their brief break. Uh, they will go through the same medical protocols they went through when they came back to campus, uh, as same as our teams that are uh, returning to the campus for the first time, uh, they will all be tested and won't be permitted to uh, practice or come into the facility until those test results are known. Um, we're, we're going to manage it the, the very same way we have with any of the other testing procedures. Uh, 
can't get into speculating what it may or may not be. We'll uh, just you know, handle it as we've previously said. And, uh, and then uh, if there are positive tests and if contact tracing is, is warranted because they were around someone that is local, then we'll follow those protocols in a strict fashion. Thanks, Joe. Okay, Joe Bettner with Norman Transcript, followed by John Hoover. Joe? Hey, Joe. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned just the conversations that the leaders have had uh, among the Power Five conferences. I'm wondering, you know, with the decisions the Big Ten and Pac-12 made and what you and ACC and SEC plan on doing, what do you think led to that split between the power conferences and what were those conversations like as far as trying to sort out what to do with the fall football season? Well, Joe, it's hard to say um, what other conferences feel since we're not in their meetings. Um, I have said all along when you all have asked me, do you talk to other athletic directors? Uh, do you talk to other leagues and uh, individually, the answer is yes. Um, we have been talking to colleagues, just simply trying to share information of what we're all doing to try to create the safest path to working out, practicing, and hopefully getting to play a game. You know, the, the season, um, while still in our, uh, on our radar screen, is not a guarantee, it's not a given. Um, we just felt very confident that the protocols, the uh, uh, discipline, the uh, treatment, the whole environment that we have for our student athletes once they're on campus provides a very safe path to doing what they're doing now. Um, that'll continually be evaluated. It's a step-by-step -step process. We're very patient. We're very prudent. We're very cautious. You know, in, um, in the five weeks we've been doing testing, we've had one positive. Uh, is that instructive of how it's going to go in the future? I don't know anybody can say that for sure. Hope, hope um, those low percentages change, uh, continue in that way. But, um, you know, at least it indicates, you know, that what, our, what we're doing internally has been um, achieving what we had hoped it would achieve. But this is an ever-evolving situation, Joe, as you know. And uh, we've got to always, as we are, keep our eyes open, our ears open, and be very attentive to any of the possible changes that uh, are happening nationally, data that leads us you know, to better understanding, and whether or not that causes us to make uh, changes in the decisions that we've made. So um, we... We understand conferences have decided on their own to um, make decisions that they thought were um, in their best interests. We respect that. Um, they've had experts in, in their discussions talking through that. Um, we've got to also recognize that there may be other reasons in the midst of their discussions that, um, that uh, may have caused them to arrive at a conclusion that they did. Um, I think the one thing that uh, comes you know, out of the conversation that we had, Joe, 
is that uh, we're learning that there is, isn't, or at least hasn't been a consistency of testing protocols across the country. That is a huge talking point, I believe, because um, you know, we're not here to dictate what others do. We're only able to control what we do. Uh, we're only able to focus on what is within our general control. But um, it's clear that uh, various campuses have gone about testing in different ways with different rates um, and are through no fault of their own dealing with situations outside their camp campus that might be different than other campuses. Furthermore, there are um, perhaps some growing challenges, some of which we've said way back uh, about testing, testing and availability, and testing results. Um, there are some places in our country where the availability of testing is challenging. And moreover, there are some places in our country which could affect some campuses in our country uh, where they can't get test results back in a timely manner. So those are complicating challenges. And so when we're making decisions that are not even across the country, there may be mitigating circumstances that cause people to make decisions that are in their best interest in that locale that might be different than, uh, than others. Again, I wanna tell you all, I am conveying what I'm learning. As an AD, I am not an MD. I did not you know, go to school to get uh, as much knowledge about this as the experts have, or I don't have the experience like the experts have. But we feel very good about um, the information that we're receiving and how we can apply it in this patient, cautious, prudent, day-to-day, step-by-step approach. Thanks, Joe. Okay, we'll go to John Hoover with SI Sooners, who will be followed by Nicole Auerbach. John? Good morning, Joe. Thanks for doing this. Um, I think probably the best way to approach my question is a, is, is a two-part question or maybe a quick one and follow-up. Do you have a decision yet on fall sports would be my first question. Uh, we do not, John. Uh, just learning about the uh, NCAA's decision yesterday evening. Yeah. Uh, we found out about the same time you did, or everybody did. And quite candidly, our student athletes did. Everybody heard about it through social media. And so uh, last night and early this morning, we've been talking uh, amongst ourselves. Uh, I visited with our coaches. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily surprised because we saw more and more of the conferences either uh, cancel seasons altogether or at least announce attempt to move it to the spring so it got to a point where the ncaa was challenged to have championships anyway by virtue of their own policy meaning that it dropped below the number of available teams to warrant an ncaa championship but the decision to possibly put it in the spring might might cause us to rethink uh playing this fall the other factor that has to be 
considered in the decision-making process are the, uh, are the decisions around eligibility. Our student athletes wanna know what, what kind of effects this is going to have on their eligibility, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I wanna compliment not just Oklahoma student athletes, but candidly, the student athletes across the country. This has been a highly uh, emotional and difficult path for them to live day to day, wondering if they're having a season, when it's gonna start, how many games they're going to play. Uh, they've been so good and so smart to ask such great questions internally. You know, I'm just gonna guess, you know, colleagues of mine are having the same experience. You just have so much um, care, concern, but, but just, you just get impressed, you know, by the way they've handled themselves and uh, the way that they're asking the kind of questions. And we wanna be able to give them the answers uh, as soon as we know something. The only challenging part of it is information that's been hard to come by and it's been uneven and it's not always been timely. Um, I, and we've had to explain that to them. If we don't have the answer, we just can't give it to them until we have more information to provide and them and help you know, make sure that they've got the information so they can make well-informed decisions on their own. And so with that in mind, we think more of a conversation that'll take place this afternoon will give us a little better understanding. We're going to be talking amongst ourselves not only on campus, but within our conference to try to determine what we should do. So here's my follow-up. Are, are you concerned at all about the optics that would be involved with having a college football season and then not having other sports playing on campus? And I ask that on two levels. One, if it's safe for football, why isn't it safe for soccer and so on? And two, there's a lot of cynics, obviously, who would say having football only is just what, they, what they've always said it is, which is a money grab unpaid labor. Do you, do you, are you concerned about how that's going to play in the public eye? Our path to safe play includes any of the sports that would have a season or when they have a season. Now, if there are mitigating circumstances to having a season this fall, such as the fact that a championship has been taken away yeah. or there are so few games that will occur or you know, student athletes might be looking at the ruling of the NCAA regarding eligibility and trying to determine whether or not they want to play. Those are mitigating circumstances, but they're not the reason why, you know, it's not the same to answer your direct question. You know, if, if we decide to, and I'm not saying we will, but if there's some decision to move, say, volleyball to the spring because the championship is now going to be held in the spring, that's not not being moved for the reason that it wasn't safe to play this fall. You know, it's that the championship may be held in the spring, but we have to realize that there's still a possibility that there wouldn't be a championship in the spring. So we can move any of those sports as we want for those reasons, but there may not be a guarantee that we get to the spring and there's a championship. So again, it, it's not comfortable for me to sit here without all the detail and give you a, an honest, straight, you know, well-informed answer since I don't have all that information. But based on what we're trying to figure out ourselves, that's just a, a uh, you know, basic snapshot of some of our conversation. 
Thank you, Joe. Okay, uh, going forward, we're gonna need to limit everyone to one question just so we can try to get through the list here. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna go to Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic who will be followed by Garen Emig. Hey, Joe, um, so kind of in line with the comments you were just making about eligibility. I mean, what would, obviously it's important to get the clarity next week about what that's gonna look like. What would you like to see in terms of how they determine it, structure it? Would you like to see what they did with the spring? Like what, what's your personal take on, you know, the potential outcomes? I would like to see something similar to the spring. I, I'm making that response, Nicole, when we're sitting here at the beginning. That's the difference between what we did or what we saw um, um, in terms of decisions uh, previously. Those conversations about eligibility were had after all of those seasons were canceled abruptly. We're trying to sort of engineer this at the beginning of the season so athletes know what you know, their options are. But we really don't know how many games that we might play. And they don't know how many games we might play. As I mentioned, there's any number of conditions that could develop that could cause fewer games to be played. Again, if we even have a season. <laughs> so uh, I think the most forgiving, flexible, plan would be the best but I also know that has to be vetted with what that means going forward you know we we don't want our student athletes to feel like they're losing a value year of eligibility but we also have to take care of the other things that happen along with additional years of eligibility the squad size would have to be adjusted you know, right now we limited to 85 scholarships in football and I can go through volleyball or soccer if you want. Um, these fall sports are uh, fully scholarship more so than some of the spring sports were. Um, we have uh, recruiting classes that will develop here in the next several months. Some might sign early, some might sign in February. How do we accommodate the incoming student athletes? And then how do you accommodate this beyond one year? Those are the kinds of questions that developed after the decision was made in the spring about spring sports student athletes. And it's been a challenge. Um, I remember when that came out, um, we heard about it just like everybody else. And it was public. And I talked to our coaches, <laughs> heard about all the conversations they had. Your phone's ringing, it's from their current student athletes. The phone gets hung up and it rings again and it's from a prospective student athlete. What does it mean? How does it affect me? What is this going to do? And we've got to be able to have those kinds of questions answered, you know, as we go through this process. So I think it would be wise for us to use the little bit of experience that we've had uh, in, in this, you know, most unusual time to, uh, to try to tweak it a little bit more. But I think, again, if we recognize what our student athletes are going through. You know, we, we haven't mentioned it yet today, Nicole, but uh, you know, we, we have had, and from the very beginning, day one, we've allowed our student athletes to opt out, opt out of a workout, opt out of a practice, or if they feel uh, strong about opting out for a season, they can opt that out for that as well without any repercussions about 
their financial aid or student services. But we as a university or we as a conference cannot make the decisions around eligibility. That's an NCAA matter. And so I think we just need to kind of work through this a little more to make it, you know, as um, you know, adaptable for our student athletes as possible. Because we want them to have all the information they can to make the decisions that they feel strongly about. Okay, let's go to Garen Emig of the Tulsa World and then Ryan Aber. Darren? <clears throat> okay. Joe, just you personally, in the, through all of this, maybe even since, uh, since, since the calendar turned and, and August hit, how many times have you changed your mind on whether it's a, a good idea or a safe idea to proceed with football? I'm human. Um, it, it's been the primary, the primary thing on my mind. Uh, you know, it, it just depends on how and where we're getting information. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it's just reading, you know, various articles that are, are written. Um, obviously, those articles can present a variety of different perspectives and sides, you know, to the decision. Uh, listening closely to, you know, people that are not just in college sports, but any sports or just, you know, the, the I've listened to Dr. Fauci. I listened to Dr. Burks. I, I'm trying to process, you know, all the best information as it becomes available. I'm no different than anybody else. Uh, you know, the, Try not to um, get caught up in, in too many emotions of the moment because those have swung, you know, to extremes since we got to this point. You know, I remember back in March and April and May and way people felt maybe the beginning of June, people had, you know, a lot of optimism. Uh, I remember people talking about this virus wouldn't thrive once it got to the summer because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, you know, transmit as well in hot weather. Well, I don't know where those people are right now. <laughs> that, that's proven to be uh, maybe at one point a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a respectful thought, but that obviously isn't proven to be true in all cases. Um, so, you know, I, I have, you know, I have been, you know, just like a human, you know, trying to think this through. But at every juncture, you know, before we make any decisions, before we, you know, continue to go forward, I've relied closely um, and, and really consistently on all of the, uh, the medical experts. And it's not just one or two or three, you know, it's several that we have access to here in our own state, uh, you know, connected to our campus or uh, what we'll be able to uh, aggregate through relationships we've made from the beginning with uh, outside medical experts in our conference, what we're hearing nationally and just triangulating that information to uh, you know, work with our medical experts to provide the safest path forward. And, and I feel confident that we are. Appreciate it. Hey, Ryan Aber, the Oklahoman, you're up, and we'll be followed by Cliff Brunt. Ryan? 
Yeah, Joe, I was just curious about the uh, about testing. Is there any concern about the availability of uh, of testing, uh, whether it's kits or, or lab availability right now? And when does that ramp up to that multiple times uh, per week, especially as it relates to football? Yeah, Ryan, that's a good question. Uh, so we are aware of some of the challenges that certain states are having. We've been fortunate through um, our efforts thus far um, that uh, our testing has, uh, has worked. It's been robust, but it's um, been a practice that we can you know, more or less guarantee uh, that uh, it's, it's following the protocols that we've set. Um, we, we know some of our testing centers are, are uh, facing some challenges uh, here and there as you know, some of the rise in cases um, experienced you know, in the state, but um, we've, we've worked with them and uh, we've been able to manage you know, the type of uh, ongoing testing and a return of results that uh, meet our own protocol thresholds. So uh, it's something we got to continue to watch. Uh, you know, that might be a, I don't want to make this statement and, uh, that I know, but it's just like anything else. You have to be vigilant on um, ensuring that you can continue to provide uh, the support to these protocols. And, uh, you know, if, whether it's here or around our conference or somewhere else, if we aren't able to do that, that would certainly figure into uh, decisions uh, we make about going forward. But so far, you know, I appreciate all of the medical staff on our campus, our team physician, and those here in our area that have been able to uh, work with us and us with them in uh, dealing with our testing, uh, the test processing, and any contact tracing that would need to take place if we find a positive test. Okay, let's go to Cliff Brunt with the Associated Press, who will be followed by Sam Kahn. Cliff? Hey, um, Joe, just wondering um, how closely you guys, you and your fellow athletic directors are following what's going on in Major League Baseball, what's going on with the NBA. I know the NBA is a little different because it's a bubble, but are you keeping up with those guys and looking at what's working, what's not? And does what's happened with the NBA in any way give you some hope that something could work? Yeah, Cliff, um, all of that has been instructive. Uh, there are different approaches, obviously, but uh, it's all been instructive. I think we, again, try to aggregate all the information we can. Our, our medical experts have also been involved with the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL, perhaps the NHL, the PGA, NASCAR. You know, so we're getting information across all of those, those different kinds of activities, sports, the way they handle their athletes and or their approach to fans. And that's obviously figured into what we're trying to do when it is applicable. But um, I would say, you know, that most of the situations they're facing, uh, can't say this all, but most of the situations they're facing 
relates to discipline of the people involved, you know, whether they're following what's been asked of them. And that's going to be a huge part of this, you know, that uh, uh, our student athletes and our staff, you know, we don't want to leave them out because there are a lot of staff that are uh, obviously involved, have to continue to follow these um, protective measures. And they, those measures are working. They have proven to be working. Um, we are doing everything we can to minimize risk. And we believe the measures are the, are the best way to do that. And at least gives us the best chance that we can you know, proceed on with safe practice and hopefully a safe opportunity to play a season. Um, but we'll learn more from them. Um, be careful where you go, um, you know, wear your protective facial covering, um, wash your hands, you know, be distanced. You know, some of the things we're seeing in the pro sports, you know, in some cases they dropped their guard and uh, went somewhere they shouldn't have gone. And uh, maybe they thought they, they wouldn't catch it, but they did. Maybe unknowingly brought it back, transmitted to others, and that's what's caused some of the problems that they face. So and that could be learning opportunity for everybody. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, our, our measures will uh, allow us to continue to move forward with a minimal, if, uh, if maybe if we're lucky without any positive tests. Okay, let's go to Sam Khan with ESPN and then Kerry Murdoch. Sam. Hi, Joe. I'm curious, uh, with students returning to campus and understanding that, you know, data on that is going to probably lag to some extent, how are you guys gauging and evaluating the impact that, you know, whatever spread may be there is going to impact athletics? And, and is there anything you can do to minimize risk when it comes to general student body as it relates to athletics? Sure, Sam. You know, that's, uh, that's, a very good and, and uh, obvious question for us, you know, coming up because uh, the fact that we've had few people on campus, uh, you know, has uh, uh, played, you know, a, a role in, you know, at least minimizing the contacts that people would have. But, um, you know, that they still have to go home to their places where they live. Uh, they still may run out and grab something at a store. Um, and so, you know, when they're not with us, they still could go somewhere and be around other people. So it's just going to have to, you know, stay disciplined. Um, we'll have a combination of uh, online classes, in-person classes, uh, reasons why, you know, they they can uh, be on campus. It's not unsafe to walk on campus. <laughs> Let's make it clear. It's not unsafe. It's not unsafe, you know, to go to class. If you follow these guidelines that we've given you, um, we have a masking policy on our campus. So you have to wear a mask everywhere you are on our campus. Um, we have a masking policy in our city you have to wear a mask when you're in a building. I don't think it requires a mask outside. Um, but we're asking our, 
our student athletes to wear a mask everywhere. Just, you know, it's, it's an extra precaution. Wash your hands, extra precaution. Social distancing, an extra precaution. The same thing we're going to ask of our fans when they come to a game, if we're able to have fans and have a game. Um, there's going to be a, ma a, a masking requirement. Come into the stadium and to stay in the stadium. You'll have to be wearing a mask through the entire experience. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. I, I understand that might not be what people want to do. I respect that. I respect the fact they may not want to go to a game and wear a mask. But if you're going to come to a game at Oklahoma, it's going to be a requirement. And so just we ask you to accept it. If you don't want to accept that, then you probably should make the decision not to come to the game. And there's just not going to be any argument about that. It is what it is. Um, it's, it's a cloth that protects you and it protects others. And it just, let's just, let's just embrace it. <laughs> it's, it's for a good reason. And I think that's the same kind of, uh, um, information that can be applicable to anybody and uh, certainly to our, our students. And so when they come to campus, Sam, you know, there's, there's going to be that period of time and, and we understand that there'll be opportunities. There'll be chances to socialize. You know, they haven't seen each other for months and months and months. Uh, that's unusual. <laughs> so um, we work through that with our student athletes as they've come back to campus and they haven't seen each other either until they came back to campus for the most part. Um, and so uh, we're just going to have to continue to be disciplined as we can. Thank you. By the way, Sam, the testing that we're doing going up to three times a week, you know, helps us uh, identify any, any kind of uh, transmission of virus if it were to occur. Okay, let's go to Kerry Murdoch with Soonerscoop.com and the Sports Animal. Thank you, Mike. Uh, hey, Joe, good afternoon to you. Hey, Kerry, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm curious, you know, just kind of, I'm sure you, you're looking at a lot of things, but how much do you kind of have to start or have you looked at, you know, game day operations? Uh, I mean, television broadcasts have to seem to be an awkward world right now, just with, you know, so many windows now that are open. Uh, but how much of your time will you have to start devoting to that understanding that we're still not at a season yet? Yeah, let me just run through a couple of those ideas as a, or areas, if you will, as an example. When we have been talking about that or staff has been talking about that for months, trying to figure out you know, what it might look like when we get there. Well, obviously, uh, we're not there yet, but we're much closer. So um, as you've heard from previous conversations, uh, we've tried to move to an all digital experience, um, more or less driveway to driveway. Now we have an app developed now that will help fans with um, traffic, with identifying parking if they don't already have parking uh, permits. Uh, that same app will guide you to concession stands, uh, game information. We're distributing a game program now digitally. They're not going to be any more printed programs. Um, we, we have uh, the opportunity now for digital ticketing. We've uh, 
that limits physical contact right there. Uh, it's actually does some other things too, which I think we're, we can all agree was going to be the wave of the future. We started experimenting with digital ticketing uh, a year to two ago. So we have worked through the bugs. So we were ready to implement it anyway for the 2020 season. Uh, but it helps fans reduce ticket fraud, loss of tickets, transfer your tickets easier. I'm not sure what's going to happen to the people that are standing out front going, I have two, I have two, or I need two, I need two. <laughs> that was a cottage industry in itself. And I'm sure like any others, they'll probably find a way to adapt. Um, you know, for media, we've worked through media spaces being adjusted, distancing uh, policies for that. Uh, tailgating, although it's uh, managed by campus and those plans haven't been finalized uh, quite yet. You know, that's something that is being talked about and um, in, in, in now in, in more detail. And uh, we've also worked through with our, our spirit, you know, how we're handling cheerleaders or band on the field and access to the field. The field itself is going to look different. As you might have heard, you know, that the NCAA Rules Committee expanded the uh, sideline uh, perimeter. So sidelines are going to be much longer, uh, if you will, instead of the, the 25, the 25 is going down to the 15, I believe. So all of that is is all being adjusted, the perimeter around the game field itself. So those kinds of things are all part of the um, plans to uh, attempt to minimize any and all risks that we have. Um, uh, but there's still going to be some, you know, that we just want people to use their best judgment, you know, make, make good informed decisions, uh, cooperate with us and some of the plans that we're um, putting in place and know that we're trying to do that to give our, our student athletes, our staff and our fans the safest path to enjoy the game. And just because I know that, um, I'm sorry, Mike, I'm breaking the rule here. Just because I know you want to get back to normal life or like a taste of normal life, a lot of fans want to know if Missouri State is a pay-per-view game or not. That's a fair question, too. Uh, it, it, games like that, one per year, have been a pay-per-view. But that's still being discussed, you know, with the adjustment of our season, uh, the reduction of two games. Uh, so all of that is uh, one of the items that's being discussed behind the scenes, and we'll have information on that as soon as it becomes available. Thanks, Joe. Okay, because Carrie asked a second question, we have run out of time. <laughs> That's not my fault. Oh, Mike, come on. I don't want to make Carrie feel, he'll be feeling guilty for the longest time. I don't want anybody to feel guilty like that. That's that's too much pressure to bear. I'll, I'll take one more. Okay, if you got time for one more, Curtis Fitzpatrick with uh, Sports Animal and, and uh, Fox 25 had one. Curtis, you still on? Maybe, maybe Curtis signed off here. Oh, it's going to be such good audio in the morning on the radio. Gary's going to have to feel guilty. Just, no, just to I'm here. I'm here. Curtis. I'm trying to work for the greater good, everybody. So I'm, you know. I apologize. I apologize for Carrie more than anything. Uh, Joe, uh, about the Missouri State game, how involved 
uh, either financially or with guidance? Are you with their testing as you get prepared for this game? A lot. Uh, I want to compliment their athletic director, Kyle Motes, um, simply because he spent uh, you know, very cooperative, very understanding. Um, and, uh, you know, we both, I mean, he has his, his program, you know, to oversee and he has the same concerns as we all do. Anybody leading an athletic program, uh, trying to make things work under these very difficult and challenging decisions, but they've, um, or times, but they've had, uh, uh, you know, as much information as we could convey to them as we have gone along. They've been willing to adjust. You know, we work together to try and move the game up to zero week when it's back in June when we thought that might be a, a, a good idea given what we knew then. And it was, you know, then obviously with a reduction of games, now we move the game back uh, or later uh, to September 12th. In terms of the, the testing, they have agreed to all of the testing procedures we are doing here at Oklahoma, exactly the same. Um, they'll be testing three, three times, um, you know, the week of the game, just like we are. And uh, we haven't worked out all of the details, uh, but uh, it, it's likely that the third test would be performed here in Oklahoma once they arrive. Um, so it, it would, uh, the, the samples would be collected and then it would be processed here. But again, we're, all this has, you know, been, been going on since just the other night. So we don't have all of that worked out yet, but the other two tests obviously would be during the course of the week. And the third test, knowing it's going to occur on Friday, we're talking about trying to make that, make the test possible here in Oklahoma. That's fantastic. I mean, Joe C is the best that we've had the the interviews that Toby has done typically on these Friday podcasts. That's why we're dropping a little bit later, kind of our Friday news dump, if you will. But uh, obviously, a lot of confidence in the protocols that are taking uh, that are in place right now. A lot of caution, you know. A lot of hey, you know, hey, we are excited right now, but we know this thing could flip at any moment. And obviously, respect for decisions that have been made across the country but a resolve to continue to move forward for a 2020 college football season. Great stuff for Joe Castiglione. The Sooner Sports Podcast brought to you by Norman Regional, offering virtual care so you can consult with a doc on your smartphone. Learn more at normanvirtualcare.com or download the app today. The OU Extended Campus, degrees online, on-site, on your schedule. Become the tradition OU Extended Campus. OG&E is power at the speed of life. And for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma updates, please check out bcbsok.com. With regard to medical treatment, members should call the number on their ID card for answers to their specific benefit questions. Our members' well-being remains our top priority as we continue to monitor developing news about COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC website, is the best source for all the most up-to-date COVID-19 information. All right, let's get after it. It's time for this week's audio edition of Spotlight. Hello once again, Sooner fans, and welcome to another edition of Sooner Sound Off. It is the show where we take the greatest players, coaches, teams, and moments in Sooner sports history. We debate them and try to determine which one was best, but let's face it, 
This is a celebration of the grand and storied history of University of Oklahoma athletics. Today's topic is presented by Taco Mayo. And it's a fun one today. In 2006, the NBA mandated that any basketball player that goes to college must stay there at least for one year before taking their talents on to the next level, the NBA draft. Thus, the quote, one and done era was born with college and NBA basketball. Recently, ESPN listed the 50 greatest individual seasons by a college basketball player during the one and done era, and three of those belong to former Oklahoma Sooners. What a debate we have. Let's bring in the participants today. First off, coming uh, from his brand new home just outside the Norman area, the voice of the Sooner Sports podcast, Mr. Chris Plank. Also in her office, this is how hard Jessica Cootie works. She is in her office and doing this television show with us at Sooner Sports TV. And from his sprawling estate in the Oklahoma City metro area, it is the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. So the topic has been stated. Let us start with our opening statements, and we begin with Christopher Plank. Take it away, Chris. Well, I get to choose the man who put the absolute Thunder and Thunder Donk, Thunderstruck, you name it, Blake Griffin, the most dominant year that we've seen in college football in quite a while. Now, on this list, he finished third, but I'm going to give you, at least in the Sooners, uh, of the three Sooners we're debating today, but I'm going to give you the reasons why the 08-09 season by Blake Griffin, one in which he swept every single major individual award in college basketball, was the greatest season in the one-and-done era, and he continues to give back to this day. Toby, which direction are you going? Well, the correct answer is Buddy Heald's senior season of 2015 and 16. <laughs> it's the fairy tale story of a kid who grew up dirt poor in the Bahamas and in one final collegiate act took Oklahoma all the way to the Final Four, and he took us all along with him on a magical journey, a season for the ages. Watching Buddy Bucket's highlights puts a smile on my face, so I can't wait to show some more of them here in a few minutes. Jess, who do you have? Well, in the history of Division I college basketball, we have never seen what Trey Young did in 2017 and 2018, the first player ever to lead the nation in both scoring and assists. More than 50 records have the hometown kid's name attached to them. He broke Wayman Tisdale's OU freshman scoring record, his 27.4 points per game, the most ever in Big 12 conference history, his 8.7 assists per game, an NCAA record. He put up such massive numbers, night in and nine out, that ESPN had a stat tracker on their game broadcast. And he did all of this as a freshman, and he did all of this with nobody expecting, predicting, or even thinking that he could, Chad. Ah, this is going to be a tough one. I can already tell. Let's be clear once again. This is the greatest individual Sooner season during the one-and-done era. Blake Griffin could have been a one-and-done Chris Plank, but he was not quite a one-and-done. Tell us, Blake Griffin's story. State your case. Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified because you know right away as soon as we put the poll up on Twitter, people are going to say, where's Wayman Tisdale? Where's Alvin Adams? Again, the mm -hmm. one and done era, which is why I'm sitting here today telling you the greatness of Blake Griffin. Now, wait a minute. 
Toby talked about highlights. Oh, we're getting to the highlights. We're getting to the dunks. We're getting to the excitement coming up here in just a bit from Blake Griffin. I can't wait, but first, but first, let's take a look at the resume that Blake Griffin put together during his time here at the University of Oklahoma. 30 double-doubles in 35 games during that final season. He was the consensus player of the year, All-American, Big 12 player of the year. In fact, he swept all six of the National Player of the Year awards. He was the first Sooner to win the Naismith, the Wooden, the Oscar Robertson Trophy, and then after making that decision to come back and play that very important sophomore season, oh, he went number one overall in the NBA draft and developed the Lob City with the Los Angeles Clippers. All right, okay, enough of, of, of the talking about it. Let's watch it. Let's watch the man that was a freight train, an unstoppable locomotive, an immovable force. He put the boom and boom shakalaka, and we'll tell you why he compared to the Terminator coming up here in just a bit. Yes, I had Toby write my scripts for me today, by the way. At Oklahoma, at Oklahoma, while you watch Blake Griffin take people's souls in the low post, he leads after just two years in his career, all-time in field goal percentage, number one, 62%, number two in rebounds per game, number three in double-doubles, seventh in points per game, ninth in rebounds, 18th in the top 20 in his career in points. But that season, that 08, that 09 season, where throughout he averaged 22.7 points and 14.4 rebounds. It's about how you play in big moments, in big time games, and oh yeah, against your rivals. How good was Blake Griffin against Oklahoma State in Bedlam? He averaged 29.5 points per game against the Cowboys, 16 rebounds, and in his only game he ever played in Stillwater, he was 81% from the field. In other words, he didn't miss much. And then those big time games, Chad, in the NCAA tournament, he averaged 29 points per game, 28.5 to be exact. I know Jess can be a stickler for being specific here. 28.5 points per game, <laughs> shot 78% from the field. And for the first time in six years, had a 30.15 rebound game when he had 33 points and 17 boards against Michigan. But listen, it's not about what I say, and it's not even about the highlights. How about what the opposing coaches have to say? Look at this from former Texas Tech head coach Pat Knight. After Blake Griffin put up the first ever 40-20 game, think about that, 40 points, <laughs> 23 rebounds in a Big 12 game. What did Pat Knight say? Well, you see it right there. He compared him to the Terminator. I think most of us have seen the movie. The Terminator, that's what the kid is like. No facial expressions. He just plays, and it's like every kid out there on him is like Sarah Connor, and he's just going to take his time and kill him. That kid is good. Now, now we know Blake is not about injuring, but he was absolutely electric in everything that he did. And then when his career was over, again, we're talking about the 08-09 season for Blake Griffin. But when his career was over, he continued to give back. Was the number one pick of the Clippers. He and his foundation and his family helped to put together the Griffin Family Performance Center, which helps train our student athletes today. And oh, by the way, the numbers already in the Raptors, and we're wearing Jordan gear because of Blake Griffin. It was an mm. unbelievable season, the 08-09 season. We can recue the highlights if you guys even want, Chad. Yeah, keep How many cups of coffee highlights. did you have today, Plank? <laughs> Watch the Blake, Blake Griffin highlights. They're, they're natural. It's a natural caffeination.
Yes, instant caffeine from watching Blake Griffin. And as you said, he's a Jordan brand guy, like the University of Oklahoma football and men's and women's basketball programs in that beautiful Griffin Family Performance Center. So we are going from the least recent Sooner to the most recent Sooner player as we go through our three Sooners here today. That means up next, it's from the Bahamas to the big dance with Buddy Buckets and Toby Rowland. He will argue his case next on Sooner Sound Off. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Medicine, Anheuser-Busch, and OU Extended Campus. And our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Devon Energy, Coca-Cola, and OU Medicine. Welcome back in to Sooner Sound Off. Today we are debating a wonderful topic. It is the best season by a Sooner basketball player on the men's side since the beginning of the one-and-done era in 2006. Segment one, it was Blake Griffin and Chris Plank taking up his cause. But up next, it is maybe a season that was three seasons in the making and an incredible story. The voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, makes the case for Buddy Heald. Well, thank you for the time today, Chad. I hope people understand that by picking one of these guys, we are not downplaying the others. We love all of these guys. What Blake Griffin did was epic. The year that Trey Young had was jaw-dropping. But for me, the greatest single season for a Sooner in the modern era belonged to Buddy Heald. Let me set the scene for you first. Buddy Heald's first three years at Oklahoma were an amazing testament to the ability to improve and develop. He had gone from the dirt playgrounds of the Bahamas to a role player his freshman year, averaging seven points a game, to a bona fide star and a first-round NBA talent after his junior year. And then he had a decision to make. Chase an NBA dream or... It's been a tough decision, uh, just talking to my family, uh, friends, mentors, you know, Coach Kruger, you know, Coach Crutch, you know, they got me here and... Uh, it's been real tough, you know. I came down to this morning, you know. I've been praying every night and stressing out, but uh, I decided to think I'd come back to Oklahoma. I feel like it's the best decision for me, best decision for my family. Nah, you know, I'm with a great team, great university, great fans, and uh, you know, a lot of you good people. Y'all gotta put up next year with me. So, uh, you know, I just happy to make the right decision for me, and uh, what's best for my family and it's best for university. And uh, I feel like you know, I come back. I'll be able to get my degree and, uh, and I'll finish up with a bank. You know, it's a great university. I love the fans and uh, Coach Kruger is doing a good job with me. I came in from a freshman, developing my game, and uh, I feel like the best is yet to come for this team. And, uh, you know, uh, main goal is to, win and go, to get, go to the Final Four, you know. Why not go there? It's my last year and, uh, you know, do, be the best player I can be and uh, help to make this program go forward. He was a prophet. Final Four? Really? The answer was a resounding yes. He believed it, and at times he seemingly single-handedly willed his team to the promised land. What we witnessed in Buddy Heald's 2015-16 senior season was otherworldly. He was electric. He couldn't miss. He went on one-man scoring runs that buried opponents. He never ran out of energy. He scored at the rim with creativity. He dropped bombs in bundles. He hit game-winning daggers seemingly every other night. He became a college basketball rock star and can't miss TV. Fans packed arenas. He got a standing ovation from the Jayhawk fans in Lawrence. Who does that? 
He went for 30 in the season opener against Memphis, 33 against Creighton, 46 at Kansas, 32 at LSU, 33 at Texas, 39 against Iowa State. He had games of 36 and 37 in the NCAA tournament, the latter coming against Oregon to fulfill his prophecy and put Oklahoma into the Final Four. He buried Texas at the buzzer. He lifted the fog in Lawrence. He pointed at Kobe in the dance. Even shots that didn't count were spectacular. The half quarter versus West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament gave us an iconic image in Kansas City of Buddy in the crowd being adored by fans of every team. He averaged 25 points a game, shot 46% from three-point range. 46%! And he took 322 of them. He shot over 50% from the field that year, and over half his shots were behind the three-point arc. Let that rattle around in your brain. 88% (laughs) at the free throw line, and he was OU's second leading rebounder. He was the Big 12 Player of the Year. He won the Jerry West Award, the Oscar Robertson Award, the Wooden Award, the Naismith Trophy, all in the same year. Here's the deal. When I think back to that year, I think of pure joy. Buddy played with pure joy. Who doesn't love Buddy Buckets? It was a magical carpet ride that he took us on. And it wasn't just one man's amazing statistical season. He won games. He lifted his team to amazing heights. He called his shot and took Oklahoma to the Final Four. The greatest single season in the modern era in OU basketball, but he healed. Toby, that's a great argument. The only thing he didn't do well that year was when we watched him take batting practice before a Sooner baseball game. Everything (laughs) else was magical for Buddy Buckets. Great case. Blake Griffin preceded that. Up next, Jessica Cootie argues the most recent great Sooner season, that of Trey Young. It seems like only yesterday when he was leading the nation in both scoring and assists. His full case is coming up next on Sooner Sound Off. Air Comfort Solutions, your total home solution for plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Make the winning call today. Taco Mayo, fresh ingredients built to order. The Trails Golf Club, Norman's club of choice. Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Community Coffee, family-owned community coffee, the official brewed coffee of OU Athletics. Taste the difference family makes. Welcome back into Sooner Sound Off. Today we are debating the greatest individual Sooner basketball season since the beginning of the one-and-done era of college basketball in 2006. Segment one brought us the sophomore season of Blake Griffin. Segment two, the senior year and trip to the Final Four for Buddy Heald. Our final competitor today is the actual lone one-and-done. Amongst this outstanding trio, Jessica Cootie states the case for Trey Young. Take it away, Jessica. Well, let me just uh, set this up for you real quick. The hometown kid, a five-star recruit, the top recruit in the state of Oklahoma, recruited by programs 
all across the country chooses to stay home and play here in Norman. A McDonald's All-American, one of the best point guards in the entire nation in 2017, even still going into his freshman season, he was not voted as the Big 12 preseason freshman of the year. He did not receive a single preseason All-American vote. He was not expected to be one and done. He was not even on any mock drafts heading into the season. And he made people rethink all of that and in a hurry. In, in his Sooner debut in the opener that season, he records a double-double 15 points and 10 assists and somewhat of a quiet night, as we would come to find, from Trey Young. He'd follow that up with another double-double in Game 2, 22 points and 13 assists, tying at the time the freshman single-game assist record. And then it was on to the PK-80, where he really started to garner national attention. Against Portland, Trey put up his first 30-point performance with 33, and against Oregon, how about a 40 spot, scoring 30 points in the second half to finish with 43 points. In just five games, he went from being on no preseason watch list to entering the player of the year conversations. And the comparisons to Steph Curry were in full force by then. In mid-December against Wichita State, ranked number three in the nation, the freshman phenom scoring 16 points in the first nine minutes. Young with yet another double-double, 29 and 10, to lead the Sooners to victory over the highest ranked team in a road game in program history. And to one of my favorite games I've ever witnessed inside the Lloyd Noble Center. You guys know I love me some good passing. And while against Northwestern State, Trey put on a clinic on distributing the basketball. 22 assists. Yeah, you heard me right. 22 assists sets the program record and Big 12 record and ties the NCAA record for single or for assists in a single game. And the last time was in 1989. 26 points to go along with that. So 26 and 22 in 29 minutes. And the show continued into Big 12 conference play in his Big 12 debut against TCU in Fort Worth. 39 and 14. A couple weeks later against the Horned Frogs in Norman. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Count them. Ten. Keep counting. Three pointers. Keep counting. On 10 of 18 shooting from the arc. And I'm talking way behind the arc. 43 points, the second most threes made in a game by a Sooner behind only Brent Price's 11. And it would not be his last 40-point game. To Bedlam in Stillwater, with a record 34 points in the second half, Trey Young drops 48 points, tying the record for the highest-scoring game by a Big 12 player in conference history, the most points ever scored by an opponent in Gallagher-Iba Arena. However, on 39 attempts, not the most efficient of performances, which Trey was the first to admit he turned the ball over seven times and vowed to be better, which brings me to the very next game just three days later against Kansas. Followed up the 48-point performance with an extremely efficient 26 points on just nine shots, also adding nine assists and a big win over the Jayhawks. And listen, the 40-point performances are still not done. Against Baylor, how about 44? Every single time Trey Young stepped onto the court, he put on a show in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Those were just a few of the bigger shows. Trey's four 40-point performances are the most in Big 12 history, and in fact, the only player in a major conference with that many 40-point games in a single season was Arizona State's Eddie House in 99 and 2000. He's got four of the top eight single-game scoring performances in Big 12 history. He broke the OU program record for consecutive 20-point games with 18 straight. Not the only record he passed of Wayman's either, breaking Tisdale's freshman scoring record. He led the Big 12 and made three, smashing OU and Big 12 freshman three-point marks with 118 makes. 27.4 points per game, the most ever in Oklahoma program history. Big 12 history, he becomes just the second freshman ever to lead the nation in scoring. And as gaudy as those numbers are, it all starts with his passing, his favorite stat, his assist stat 
Not only did the lead the nation in scoring, he led the nation with eight point seven assists per game, setting the OU program record. He put up such crazy numbers. ESPN had a stat tracker. He was the Wayman Tisdale Freshman of the Year, a consensus All-American, becoming the first player ever to lead the nation in both scoring and assists. And guys, he did all of this with nobody expecting him to do so, doing what we've never seen done before. A dazzling array of assists wow. and a dazzling amount of numbers from Jessica Let's there. Go. I called the 22 assist game on television along with Jessica, and you even got in a Brent Price reference. Spectacular argument, Jessica, the freshman season of Trey Young. Nothing left to do here on Sound Off but render a Good decision. Good luck, Chad. We'll have that along with the closing arguments when we come back right after this. The Sooner Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast to listen to old shows and subscribe to always get the newest ones. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics Exclusively. Sooner Sports TV personalities wardrobe is provided by Threads Menswear and Blush on Campus Corner. Hair and makeup provided by Clementine Hair Lounge. Welcome back into Sooner Sound Off. Maybe the most difficult decision, at least that I have had to make yet as a judge on Sound Off. Today we are arguing the best season by a Sooner basketball player during the one and done era. That dates back to 2006. So again, the Wayman Tisdale, Alvin Adams eras, those do not count. Those were not one and done situations. So today's closing arguments are presented by Ken Cade Coach, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Sports. We begin with Chris Plank and Blake Griffin. 31 season, elite eight appearance, only slowed down by North Carolina and Tyler Hansborough and in the NCAA tournament, and really not truly slowed down. He had an incredible run, averaging nearly 30 points per game in those NCAA tournament games, and left us with so many iconic moments, man. Blake Griffin hitting his head on the side of the backboard on a dunk and then just shaking it off like it's no big deal. He was such the focal point of opposing teams and defensive approach that it set up guys like Tony Crocker to have massive games against Syracuse. And who can ever forget Seth, uh, Steph Curry and Blake Griffin, Davidson, Oklahoma, mano a mano in the LNC. He brought electricity. He stayed home and gave us one of the greatest seasons in the one and done era. Toby? I'm giving you the stats and the awards and the logic, so I'm going to close with my favorite Buddy Heald story. His senior year, we're in Manhattan, Kansas, and I'm setting up courtside when he runs onto the floor to begin warming up, and he's immediately greeted by boos and jeers from thousands of K-State <laughs> students. Buddy hits his first three, and then another, and then another, and then another, and he's working his way around, and after he hits 10 in a row, you start to hear a murmur. 20 in a row, and there's a buzz. By the time he hits 30 in a row, they're cheering wildly with every <laughs> shot he makes. He hits 36 uh. straight threes, fresh off the bus, turns to the students, winks and points, and he had them in the palm of his hand the rest of the night. They were his on the road. It was about more than stats with Buddy. He's your pick. Jess? 
Well, Toby, you one time said Trey Young was not from this earth. He was not from this planet. And the numbers that he put up were not. Nobody on this planet has put up the numbers that Trey Young did. And as a freshman, I mean, he wowed us night in and night out. You think about dropping 48 in Bedlam, his 10 threes against TCU, the multiple 40-point performances, his 22 assists, the only player ever in the history of college basketball to lead the nation in both scoring and assists. And he did all of this with nobody really expecting him to do so. He went from being on no mock draft boards to start the season to going number five overall. He broke Wayman Tisdale records. He broke Buddy Hield records. He broke records of college basketball players in the Big 12, some of the best that have ever played college basketball in the Big 12 history. His name is above all of those. Trey Young, the freshman phenom, the best season in the one-and-done era. Oh, my goodness. Community wow. Coffee brings wow. us the final decision today. Good luck. Coach Stoops used to say that when you talk good about one of your players, it seems like you're talking bad about the others. That's not the case. So all apologies to Trey and to Blake, but it's Buddy Buckets for me. He gave me the opportunity to sit between the great Eduardo Nahara and the legendary Dick Vitale and broadcast the Final Four. It's Buddy boy, Buckets. Chad. He's the winner. Greatest individual season of the one-and-done era of Sooner men's basketball. Congratulations, Toby. And thanks, Buddy. Thanks to Blake and Trey as well. We'll see you next time. No losers. No losers. I didn't win. I'm a little bit bent about it, but man, whenever they put the teases out and I watch the highlights of Blake Griffin, it just made my heart fill full. Speaking of feeling full, Philip 66 brings you this week's What's on Tap. Philip 66 live to the full. On Saturday, we continue our look back on the best of the 2019-2020 season with the incredible Austin Reeves-led comeback, Oklahoma knocking off TCU. In fact, Jessica Cootie's interview with Austin Reeves will be part of our Monday podcast, so I'm looking forward to that. That's all what's on tap on the Sooner Sports Podcast presented by Philip 66 Everyone, have a great weekend, and remember to stay up to date on all the latest news. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air at Sooner Sports TV, and always be following at OU underscore athletics and regularly checking Soonersports.com. We're back on Monday. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.